Can you believe in a finite object possessing infinite power? Or that a mineral can be proclaimed the medicine of the 21st century? Or that the power of nature can win over the ignorance of man? If you can, you will know why our mission is to get Shungite to the masses. You are entering the Shungite zone. This is the Shungite radio show produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Welcome to Shungite Reality. It is July 11th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins and with me we have Derek Condit and Mark Joseph. Walt won't be with us and Jalissa may be, be uh, joining us later. So good morning, uh, Walt. Good morning, Derek. Uh, good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Mark. Morning, and Nancy. Morning, Derek. Hey. You want to say hello to the audience, guys? Hey, <laughs> audience. <laughs> And the audience, good morning, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, gee, where do we even start? <laughs> where did you, what, what, we haven't really talked about what we're going to talk about, but we hardly ever do that. And then we can't remember what we talked about to talk about. But, um, all right, so let's just get our bearings here. We're on Shanghai Reality, and... There is, uh, well, last week, Derek was on a, a, a trip out into the mountains. He'll tell you about that later. But I played a, a show, a two-hour show that, well, geez, that Derek had done called uh, To Be or Not To Be. And I can't remember who you were with. But that was just a spectacular, in my opinion, rendition of, just discussing the bees it was it was really impressive because the two guys you were talking to were also beekeepers and it was very informative and i hope everybody that hasn't seen it take the time to see it because what seems to be happening in the alternative slash preppers group and the people like dr merritt that just know what's happening is that bees are becoming more prevalent? Let's put it that way. They they're they're starting to you know they they're understanding you know if you're in a situation and you've got bees at least you've got a chance of survival, um, whereas otherwise you probably won't. But the um, it, it, right now what 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 I'm feeling is that the bees are trending again, and that we need to really promote Shungite with the bees. Uh, I also felt, and I told that I was talking with Mark about this uh, last night, and I said to him that, to me, when Derek got into the Shungite group and started to uh, work with his bees, it offered us a doorway to other people. Because, let's face it, it's really kind of crazy to think about a mineral that can do everything that Shanghai can do, but it definitely does. So when we have a situation like that, the, 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 you have to get into people's heads. You have to be able to get them to listen to you. 
and people seem to be concerned about the bees or at least interested in bees and it's kind of an easy opening to the rest of what shungite does but if anybody well the people that have read shungite reality will realize that in my opinion it the bees were a critic or a critical aspect to um making changes throughout the world that we need because they are very mystical beings and the more bees we have around us the better we're going to be <laughs> Um, so anyway, I, w I would like you people out there to, to give us a hand here because there's, you're out there, you're listening to gr different groups or different, uh, platforms. And if you can just, you know, put it in the, 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 uh, chat, any group of people that you think would be good people to contact to see if we can't get. Derek on their show to be able to talk about the bees. We're putting together a list and we want to make this into a, a kind of a campaign to really push on the bees right now because like I say, I think it's trending. Mark and I did a Radio 5G program that I think it's going to play today, a replay of it, where we were talking, uh, where, where, where Dr. Merritt and um, Bards FM were, were talking and part of the talk was on bees. So if you want to give them some information while I mute myself. <laughs> I had to struggle with my mute button there. I was actually talking. I noticed I was muted. Sorry, everyone. Um, yeah, when Nancy was also talking about earlier, I think that um, podcast that she was talking about was on alphabetic. Um, with with Dr. Bear and uh, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. So I'm actually glad she shared that one again. Um, there's a lot of good information in there that you know is timeless because it's all talking about the bees. So um, yeah, that's one worth listening to. Another thing I, I want to mention real quickly for at least for those that are in chat right now, um, I did just upload a couple photos and we can talk about this in a bit. But uh, Mystical Wares and all of us, the Mystical Wares family, were in a. Fourth of July parade, a loggers parade is what it's called, is what those images are. And then we made a trip to Crystal Mountain, which is in Montana. And we'll talk about that in a bit too. Um, but are you back, Nancy? I am. Okay. I'm trying to actually get some pictures of that Crystal Mountain one right now. So we can go wherever you or Mark wanted to go. Um, I'm literally trying to get some images for you guys. So you can see what we're talking because we did a bunch of shung uh, well hundreds and hundreds of pieces of shungite um we gifted or put on again what's called crystal mountain in montana and i don't know if you want to jump into that yet nancy because i was kind of reading through my notes here real quick or did you want to talk about podcasts some more um well i just want to kind of like just make people aware that um you know we really we really need to kind of get a little more active i do because you know it's like i say i'm kind of over all this hesitation in going to the next level of awareness so please help us out with with just finding the places that you listen to that you like the people somehow or another put it in chat uh, i'm trying to think of w w what's the best way of doing it because we're, and I will repeat this. We're going to put up a, a, a page where, you know, you can go there and you can see what type of information you should pass on to these people to try to get their attention. And um, 
then you know you'll be able to say you can contact him just give him a link and a little bit about what Derek would want to be talking about so we are going there but you know as you're going through and you're doing your own research uh, please do us an, an incredibly important uh, favor here and just jot down the, the people that you're liking so that we can get a, a list up and we can really try to get Derek out there to talk about the bees to get people excited about you know pro proactive things that you can do so anyway um, Mark do you have something that you wanted to uh, to investigate yeah a big one we talked about um, last week was the Bards FM um, you know they had a Bards Fest in Yuba City about a month ago and that propelled them to do more their version of energy healing they do prayer groups and are get, getting pretty consistent results and because um, one of the things we commented on the radio 5g was with dr lee Merritt, who's big on um uh, decentralized you know medicine finance and uh um, healing so the big one was gardening and the next step to that was bees and so because bars fm is former dod so i listen to him regularly in terms of what's uh, the highlights on the landscape of current events and like getting it, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, some of the more sharper insights, but he's getting on with um, having a few uh, hives and he lives in uh, uh, the red part of Oregon and um, has a pretty good contact base. So they do have a bee group in Telegram and it's like Bard's FM family room as far as uh, for his group. Um, but they do have a B group, not too many people, but um, I have been posting about Shungite um, in their Telegram group. Uh, Shungite was mentioned a bunch of times and I didn't really get anywhere with it. So that's as far as a, a start with, you know, uh, his approach is, is, is going local and county by county. Um, but yeah, it's all about personal empowerment. So um I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll send them an email as far as because my my reference point for all of this is is um, Derek's Veterans Today article, and that's posted in the Shungat Facebook group. But um, Nancy, I think maybe you know other than because the YouTube presence is only through through Derek and maybe your past interviews. But um, what about posting some or a few uh, Shungat shows on Rumble? Um, and maybe yeah. odyssey not necessarily weekly but just some of the greatest hits just so if someone were to type the word in the search bar that you got we it would come up yeah you're right i will do that uh do you, you once in a while you put them up on your your uh youtube correct derek you i do and i'm actually going looking for one now yeah and we have so many spots yeah, we have some interviews up there. I'm going to open it up now and look and see what we have and what's actually available. Well, uh, we've got hundreds available, so. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, we just got to get people's attention again. Because what's happened basically is that there's, when I first started out, uh, there were very few Shungite places. And then when Derek took it over, there was no Shungite place like his. Um, the amount of Shungite, the amount of, of 
products that you could use and the, the information that was starting to flow at that point. But now you've got copycats all over the place. You know, silver-saturated shungite. Well, you know, they don't give you any credit for, for having developed that concept. And they just... Uh, you know, so it's cutting into to everything. Not that I'm, I'm saying they shouldn't. I mean, it's free will universe here. But at the same time, it is one of those situations where we're not at the top of the mountain with every nobody underneath us. Now we got a lot of people there that are, you know, skimming from the from the amount of people out there. So we've got to get out there and get more people interested in Shanghai, not just for us, but for everybody. Uh, to, to, and as a matter of fact, the um, Cosmic Chronicles that are going up after this show. What's playing is uh, from February 25th, 2020. Now, the Chronicles are replays of Cosmic Reality Show. And the reason I'm doing that is because, first off, it presents a history, a, a path to history, because we were commenting as things were going down and <clears throat> about everything. So it's sort of like, yes, we're going back to 2020, and you'll see what was happening. It's just kind of like a review of how the hell we got to where we're at. But the thing that was so critical, even in that time, was the, the blue plasma ball that exploded over the Shanghai field. So that happens to be playing right after this, is the, uh, that first, when we, it was only three days after it happened. It was the first show I had. So um, I highly recommend that you take a listen to it. There's other things in there, um, in that show. But um, we opened with that, so you can get it in the first part of the show, I believe. So, um, yeah, we need to uh, get people energized and excited again about all, all that, that Shanghai does. I mean, the bees, critical. But... You know, your own protection against the Wi-Fi and the purification of the waters and just the balancing of your energy fields. I mean, it's just so important, even more important. But it's, uh, you know, they things go up and down. They're cycle. They cycle. So you have something gets really popular, then it drops out, gets really popular, drops down. And we're in the drop down thing, so we need to kind of push it to get it back into the to the minds of everybody that knows anything about it and all those people that don't. So um, yeah, that's that's what I think we need to do. And we will continue to harp on it. <laughs> so um, okay. Um, I wanted to uh, comment on as far as like some ideas on what to post in Rumble um, because I do have like over the years some of my favorite shows like one of them was back in 2017 you had the RN on the show talk showing on the microscope of the um, um, how the person's blood is around a cell phone and then uh, or what was it how the person's blood is without a cell phone and with a cell phone and then with an S4 sticker. And then there was an increase in the stem cells. To me, that's whenever I talk to somebody about Shungite who doesn't know anything about it, that's one of the first things I always bring up. Along with the um, 
So it's it's veteranstoday.com, and then people can type in love honey, shungite may save bees. And then the quote I always put with that link when, when they share it, there's also a YouTube video, is that uh, the introduction of shungite to the beehives resulted in our uh, bee population grew from about 50,000 bees to over 1 million bees in in 11 short weeks. So that's the quote I always attach when I share, um, you know, what, like what is this other than Russian dirt, right? That uh, people are selling and wearing. Um, another show too that my, is my favorite was when um, Kat from LA, who's into biogeometry, and she was able to uh, biocompatibilize the 5G tower that was next to her house. So just shows like that as far as um, getting people more exposed to the multifacetedness of, of um, you know, the Black Rock. Um, well, do me a favor. You, do you have those? You, you say you've got them already? Or you just I mean, notated them? It wasn't the specific show in your archives. I mean, I can go back and look for them. Um, no, I can if I just uh, yeah I'll 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 try. But I, I just wondered if you had them because, you know I'll just if you can even remember the date. But just mention to me if you know if I haven't put it okay. up. You know. Yeah. All right. I'll look at them. Yeah. Um. Something you said made me think of something, and now I don't remember what it was. Uh. So anyway, what what else would you like to get into? Because there's. There, there's a tremendous amount of stuff happening out there. It's only I'm drawing a blank right now. Help me, I mean, guys. As far so we're talking about the bees, and you know, summer's a time when people go outdoors, have picnics, are outside all the time. So Derek's shop, he has the different jars of uh, shungite honey, and actually, that's one of the good show, you know, one of the better shows too, where. Um, this was first when you guys first talked about it. There was a quantum version and different versions of it, and uh, now they, there's a scalar shungite honey, <clears throat> which is you know next level. So obviously something good to bring to camping if people want extra armor layer protection. So, I, yeah, that's a good idea. I appreciate that, Mark, because what you just actually sparked in me too, because you're mentioning the shungite honey was. Well, that's a way that other people, so even if you don't have hives um, and you don't know any beekeepers or anything, there are bees everywhere and you're getting bees around you from other hives. Well, anybody can put out a jar of shungite honey literally on their front porch, on their patio, their back deck, and bees will come and get it and take the shungite honey with the particles in it. So basically what I'm saying is that's a way, even if the beekeepers aren't open to, and it's all organic honey. There's no chemicals in it, so I don't I don't even feed bees, especially high fructose corn syrups and things like that. But one way, again, for people that you know, because not everybody can have a beehive for a lot of reasons, but you can put out a jar of the shungite honey that has the powder in it, and the bees will absolutely go to that, take it up, bring it back to the hive, and so and help the others as well. So that's just another way of doing it, um, of introducing it. Yeah, that that that's. That's pretty next level as far as the whole, <clears throat> you know, uh, electromagnetic grid and networking, you know, from, from the bees' perspective. Because all people have to do is buy a little jar from your store and then put it outside, right? Like, and then that could save. That's it. That's spreading, sh making the Shungite grid even, like, deeper and wider, farther, right? Oh, bees, absolutely. Because bees will go, 
Well, heck, they'll go over seven miles just to get water alone. And if they have an open jar of honey somewhere and they know where that is and they'll find it and they'll tell their other bees, of course, um, that's that's an option. That is something people can do. And then you're not only helping the bees, you're having them go further, meaning not as far away to um, to pick up the different nectars and pollens and stuff if they know there's available. And again, it's organic Shungite honey, so they're just getting the good stuff with Shungite powder added. Uh, and then that would be brought back and, and consumed by the bees. And so then everybody benefits as well. Uh, question here. If if you got the bees, I don't think you want to use the jar and just open it up. How are they going to get it out without getting stuck? No, what, yeah, what I would do is pour it. I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't thinking that. But I would have actually poured it out on something. So a little a pan, a tray, a t- whatever it is you have, even though it's the bottom of a, a plant's potter, pot, I'm not sure that would be called the base, you can spread the honey out in there. So just like she's saying, so bees don't land in the jar and, and get stuck in there sort of thing. Um, and yeah, you can put a little pebbles in there, but really just spread it somewhere. It's going to stay there. And then the bees and other insects as well. But so I'm not saying, you know, put it on your front doorstep, just put it out a little ways. And if it's in something you can pick up and move like a little bowl, a tray, a, a, a plate, that way you're not talking like a big deep vessel um that bees can do it and then you can move it around and they'll find it again and, and tell other bees and doesn't even so, have to be house go ahead oh sorry um yeah yes yasmin who's a semi-regular in our shows here she was very helpful in the chat room and um i put the biogeometry and um uh, cat interview in chat and that was um just for people's reference um August 24th through the 30th, 2021. Because that was, that was, I'm, I'm really big into biogeometry because with that application, there's very few, um, uh, what do you call it, mental technologies and approaches that specifically talks about biocompatibilizing um, EMFs as much as, you know, this show does Shungite. So, um, and then with biogeometry, you can create sacred sites like the the same power of like i mean not exactly like giza pyramid but similar to those anywhere they have a way to do that and um of course you could type it in your podcast app and and um hear the interviews but the the i like the synergistic effect of, of using both and shungite reality the facebook group cat does break down how they were able to do that and then i think she was on a second time so i gotta find that um but yeah just taking things and Taking not just Shungite, but but having this fusion and and making it your own. So um, yeah, with the Shungite bees, uh, the honey, I think that that's very helpful for that. Uh, back to you guys. Well, in reality, if you put Shungite powder in your yard and around your plants and things, they're going to enhance the growing of the plants that are there. Therefore, they will put out more nectar. Therefore, the bees will be uh, drawn to them, too. Correct? Absolutely. That's exactly what I would use. But powder and or nuggets at the base of your bushes, trees, whatever it is you have. I don't give it flowers growing in a pot on your deck, like I was saying. The shungite will benefit. And we, we did all that years ago just by dumping shungite water in there that I rinsed nuggets in. And then we I just poured it into one plant. The thing shot up like triple fold. Um, and that's kind of how I was wrapping my head around, you know, what happened. I don't know if you guys remember that story, but 
I'm sure you probably do better than me. Um, yeah, but, because but, there were two of them. They were identical, but only one of them ended up getting the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it it started growing exponentially. So yeah, there's lots yeah, of ways, lots of ways to help the bees. the bees. I mean, like I was saying, put the honey out, put the powder in the plants, like Nancy's talking about. Um, different nuggets. I mean, there's there's a lot you can do. Do the um, the bee or bird bath. So think a bird bath in your backyard or wherever. Put shungite nuggets in there so the bees again don't have to fly up to that seven miles I was talking about just to get a drink of water. Um, and then they'll definitely go to your watering hole if it's a shungite one. That's for sure. So there's lots of ways people can you know, help the bees out without having to have a beehive and then even get a, a mason beehive or carpenter bee house in your backyard. Um, that's another option. We've done shows on that as well. Yeah, the benefit of, of those guys is that you, they're not, well, you don't get the honey from them because they're lone bees. But uh, somebody called them kamikaze bees because what they do is that instead of going and delicately retrieving the pollen and the nectar, they just like slam into the plant. <laughs> and because they've done that, bush, all this pollen and is, is, you know, in a, in a cloud. So they actually are better pollinators than your honeybees. And they're probably out in your yard. You probably just haven't understood what it was. Uh, when, when I got introduced to them, I was like, oh, I know what they're talking about. But I thought it was some kind of a beetle because down here in South Florida, they're like a dark blue fluorescent kind of flying thing. <laughs> You know that I didn't see as a bee. I saw it more like a beetle because they they, they also fly very fast. Uh, they don't hover around things. They seem to be you know flying faster. But you know so there's there's a lot of ways that you can enhance your own yard. And one of the things that you might want to pay attention to is the, the wildflowers that are growing in your yard that you call weeds. See if they're not attracting bees and butterflies. Just look at them before you go cut them and take take them down. Because in my yard, I have out front a whole strip uh, right by the fence of just the local wildflower that grows without anybody doing anything. And for the most part, it doesn't flower as much as I would like it to flower. And so you, it can get looking kind of grubby. But at the same time, this is nature. This is the way nature behaves. So I leave it out there, even though I think sometimes people think I don't. I mean, I do. I, 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 what I do is I mow in front of it so it looks like it's being tended, but I don't take it down because I don't want people to think I'm not watching the yard. I am. It's just that you people don't understand the benefit of natural vegetation. Um yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm fortunate in that I live in a, on an acre of land that's surrounded by five other acres that, well, one of them is not, but let's say four acres that, that have still a, a huge uh, tree canopy. And there's all sorts of native plants that are growing in there because native plants like native soil and, you know, it's they're easy growers. They just do it themselves. So don't just go out and mow your yard or take all oh, the weeds. No, don't look at them as weeds. 
take another look. Okay, because um, you may want to keep them just because they're a natural way of uh, bringing in the butterflies and you bring in the bees and the butterflies and then you got more pollen for whatever things you think or you know you want to grow gardens your fruit trees just you know the surrounding area and i know that so many of you live in a place where there's not even any plants around you so go get some plants study i mean there's so much on google and, and youtube you can look up and you can find out what is the native vegetation for my area and go get some of it like when i moved into this property you had the trees but you didn't have any of the smaller stuff it was basically trees growing in sand and i'm not exaggerating and my next door neighbor's husband had this uh i guess it was a i don't know tradition that when they had a birth in their family that they would put a tree in the ground for them and his son was you know I, I don't know he was three or four at least by that time and he said to me um I, I I've never had a place to put the tree for my son can I plant it in your yard and I said yeah sure go ahead you know so he does but he never watered it I go out there and this poor thing is like dying of thirst in the sand so I start watering it, and I don't have a hose going far enough there, which is probably why he didn't water it. But I, so I'm, I'm going out every day, and I'm putting, you know, a pail of water on it. And as I did that, I started to just be absolutely astounded that that little bit of water feeding that one plant that's the rest of the yard is sand, all of a sudden it started turning green with little sprouts from other things. I didn't even know what the heck they were because there wasn't anything around but they just started growing and this is pre shungite um, they just started growing and so it went from that one tree into a yard full of trees and and you know the vast majority are natural to the habitat and now the yard is like a, a jungle uh, it's difficult to walk from you know unless you're on the paths or the open area but it's um so work with nature that's what i'm saying to you you know be be cognizant that there's things around you and as a matter of fact you you got things in your yard that you could eat when i was what was i 16 years old i was working in a place that was a laundromat basically not a laundromat but they would take uniforms and they'd wash them and fold them and send them back to different peoples and so I'm working in this place, and the people that were working there were, most of them were uh, Polish descent, and nice, nice people. We were sitting around at lunchtime one time, and they started talking about having dandelion soup. Now, I grew up, a dandelion was a, a terrifying weed that you didn't want growing in your yard. <laughs> so... Uh, I felt just terrible. Oh my God, these people, they don't make enough money to even eat. They're eating dandelions, weeds from there. Had no clue. And when I finally realized what what it was all about, I was really sorry. I didn't take the time to say, to talk to them. They probably had a whole bunch of really interesting information. So, uh, yeah, 
yeah, start start looking at your yard and your surroundings a little differently and see how much is really there. And if there's nothing there, then um, another way another way we brought in a lot of plants were we would uh, on the side of a road. A lot of times, all of a sudden you'll see all these weeds. Okay, well they're not weeds; they're plants that are growing just like watering that one tree. And what we would do is when we'd see an area that had this kind of growth, we'd stop and we would actually take the plants because they were going to be mowed down. They were going to be, you know, by the highway people. So we would just take the plants and then plant them in the in the yard. So there's ways that you can do it without even spending any money. Um, and and when you when you have that kind of nature around you, it just is a totally different experience of living. Because from my early uh, excursions, and because I sort of got into metaphysics by going the nature way. Wow, what are the what's this thing out here? You know, let me look at this. That was before you got the the internet. Let me find a Polish lady that knows about dandelions, <laughs> that type of thing. But when you um, really begin to to bring in those energies, supposedly the story goes that for every plant that you bring into your yard, it's an open invitation to a specific type of fairy gnome, you know, the nature spirits, and um, I, I can't attest to whether that's true or not, but it was uh, something that I heard in in looking at the old literature on the plants and how how they would interact with them. So uh, you know, you, you bring in the you bring in a plant, and now you got nature spirits there. And why not? You know, because either either it doesn't exist or it does exist. Nature spirits, spiritual world. I think all of us that listen to this stuff believe this. And even if it's not true, it's better than going through life thinking that there's nothing. You know, so uh, put some plants in your yard or even in your house. Um, Okay, so. Yeah, so I wanted to get back to what Derek was saying about. um, So what are some ways we can just. take out the shungai honey and put it on like a tree bark or what, what, what where are some recommended places like because um, like where I'm at we don't have as much flowers anymore like so where would we take it out of the jar and put it somewhere like slather it <clears throat> excuse me yeah that's a, a good question and the tree's not bad I mean yeah if you can find so even if somebody finds himself living in the middle of a, a city there's gonna be some kind of park somewhere um, so what, what I would do is logically think about it and each individual in your area is change is different, of course, but think, well, remember bees got to go get water, got to get flowers to so then think, well, where's the closest area that would have flowers and, you know, pollen, nectar um, and or a water, so a fresh water source, not salt. And then just kind of logically go at it like that. And then you can go to those areas. So if I was in a park, yeah, I would. Um, I'd probably, again, just try and find those. And it's hard to really say because everything's so different. And um, But a place that has a, an abundance of flowers or even trees that are, are blooming at the time, depending on the time of year, and put it around there. The bees will they'll not only smell it, they'll sense it. They will find that honey um, in many ways and get it. So that's, that's probably what I would do. And yeah, a percentage of the Shanghai honey is going to be 
you know, taken or eaten by other critters, but that's not a bad thing because then you're taking care of them as well. So there's there's lots of options there. And I wouldn't necessarily buy a jar, just dump the whole jar down the side of a tree. I would do it in like maybe get a, I don't know, I'm going to stick your finger in there, I guess, but a, a spoon or something. It's just about that amount is what I'm trying to say. So maybe a tablespoon-ish so you can do it in lots of spots. And then just literally, if it's a tree area, spread it on the bark of the tree. Um, uh, really, and then the other thing, because you want to try and have it stay together longer, the honey, and not like dissipate. So you don't just dump it on the ground, but some kind of vessel. If if you're in a, you know, if you have a field area again, where there's flowers or something like that, something not deep. Bringing it back to what Nancy was talking about, because you don't want the bees to land in it. Even those bird or bee baths I'm talking about which of course is just a bird bath and then you with water but put a bunch of shungite nuggets in there so the bees have something to land on and if they do land in the water which happens they'll literally swim around and find a nugget and crawl up on it and dry out and take off um so that's one way of doing it. and even that if you have a jar of honey and you really that's that would work as well think jar of shungite honey open it up put a shungite maybe pour half of it into another container so it's not totally full put a nugget in that jar the bees will go up on land on the jar on the outside on the rim they'll walk in just enough um and if they do get another they'll be on the honey and they'll clean the honey off so that's another way of doing it to where you could then put that jar of honey out in different areas or if you're going to a you know out on a picnic somewhere the beach or something because there are bees everywhere um they'll have an opportunity to get some of that honey and take it back Yeah, so and, in, just let me what he what he's why we're doing this is that by the bees taking the honey back into the to the hive, now the hive has it. That that that's the idea is, is is that you're actually providing a a way of getting the shungite into the hives that you don't even see because they're wild. Right? Absolutely. And those colonies are gonna flourish because those little particles, they're not you know, they definitely, bees are definitely drawn to shungite. We've shown that. So they're going to be more than happy to receive that honey. And yes, those little particles of shungite will get in the honeycomb and that will affect the whole hive to one degree or another. Um, you know, there's lots of factors there. So no matter what, a hive will benefit from shungite. And it's not a volume thing for those to think, well, one bee maybe, and by the way, not just one bee would find that jar because of course they do their wiggle dance and tell everybody else about it and say, hey, the good stuff's over here. So then those little particles, even if it's one little particle of shungite, it's a frequency thing, not a volume thing. So it will have an effect. And I'm meaning one example of that is, is to point out that let's say you're in a room, let's just go with this, a club, and there's music playing. The music doesn't or the frequency doesn't dissipate because somebody else entered the room or and take away from it. So what I'm saying is you're that little piece of shungite powder that gets to the hive absolutely has an effect just like writing and they call homeopathy of course and you all know this and water write the word love on your water put it on a coaster that says love you don't have to capitalize the l-o-v-e it doesn't have to be three inches in size to have an effect. it's frequency and again not that anybody's saying this but i just want to emphasize that point that it's all intention emotions and i guess on, the, on our spectrum down here we'll call it frequency or energy so just know that you are having an effect, even if you think it's not that big a deal, it's not really matter. Yes, it does matter. One little I love you from somebody or the energy from that or something has a massive effect. And that same understanding carries over to the Shungite and the bees. Um, so you would definitely um, be affecting, again, an average bee colony, 
a healthy one's around 50,000 bees. And it's going to be more than that. And there's going to be other colonies. So you're definitely having an effect on the populations. Um, and, and it'll definitely boost. So there's lots of ways of doing that. Derek, I was listening to somebody talking about the bees and a swarm. I think it was the Bard's uh, uh, show. And they said that the swarm, the swarm is actually more docile than when they're in their hive. Is that true? They said they could, you know, put their hand in the middle of a swarm and not get stung. Oh, absolutely. Because the bees are just there, you know, protecting the queen is what they're doing. I mean, I've done all that with, with my son Kiefer and others and alone. And oh, yeah, I've just, I can grab fistful of bees. No gloves, no cups. You can grab bees and just, and they're not, they've never stung me that way in a swarm of any kind. I've had them larger than basketballs. I don't have a bigger description than that, but they're huge. It's where we've had to just hold a beehive under the branch and just kind of shake it. We're just literally holding it, not suited up or anything, not one sting. We're talking about tens of thousands of bees. And yeah, we just dropped them about a foot into the hive because just out of the, you know, the way it was situated. Um, no, and no stinging. So that's, they're, they're a lot calmer when they're not in the hive. Or I'm sorry, they're, well, they're calm either way, but they're definitely not aggressive when they're swarming. So yeah, you can walk into a swarm and they're, they're busy doing their thing. They're not like looking to attack anybody. I'm not sure why, I guess maybe because the abundance of bees in the air, it's kind of scary to some people, but I never thought about it that way. They're not, they're not being aggressive. Um, so, you know, you don't have anything to worry about with swarms. Literally beekeepers go up and just, even if it's in the side of your house under the siding, I mean, we can just go up, tear off the siding and you just reach in and grab it. That's, that's usually not a problem. Okay. So uh, let's assume that you get all these bees and you do all of a sudden they want, they're swarming, they're looking for a place to have a home and they decide to use your eaves. Some people could at that point say, oh, well, maybe I better build a build them a or get a, a, a home for them. And the hive would attract them maybe off of that. And I don't know, you could probably, I don't know how you, you know, dissuade them from this new hive that they've built in your house. But there is normally beekeepers around that would come and take these, correct? People shouldn't get all freaked out and start spraying them or doing whatever they do, correct? Uh, absolutely. Now, if you want to be stung by a swarm, then that's exactly what you do. Spray it with a hose. No, you don't do that, of course. And then the way to get somebody to move out, um, you give them a bigger place. So, yeah, you can get a hive box. You can get a bucket, put a hole in the bottom. You can put some wax in there, spread some shungai honey on the inside of the bucket. Long story short, as the bees go out and forage, they're going to find this this house we'll just call it and i don't care if it's a bucket or a beehive you picked up or something you brought by and they're gonna be it's just like us find an open room you know we're gonna move in that sort of thing it's especially if there's space because they know in especially these under the eaves of houses they're exposed they realize that but you know they're doing the best with maybe what they had available at the time so bees will move on their own um and then what you can do is look for the multiple entrances where they're but you were talking about under an eave but um it's really just giving them a better place and then they'll relocate on themselves and or they'll supersede so they'll split and half the hive will go there and then the numbers are smaller that you have to maybe deal with or have the beekeeper come out and get and there's definitely 
beekeepers that will go out there, not never an exterminator. That means killing death. There's no point in that. You don't, nobody wants that, of course. So there are beekeepers and you can get on Craigslist or Angie's or whatever and ask around. There's lots of places and they'll come out for free because they know they're getting usually, if you found it by that point, it's a pretty good size hive and they'll, they'll take it out and they'll put it in hives themselves. And that saves from the monetary perspective for a beekeeper, hundreds of dollars of having to go buy a hive or start a one. And they already know these bees are healthy and they're not chemically treated because they're out there. Hopefully nobody's to break chemicals on them. Um, and then they'll, they'll rehome them. So yeah, there's lots of things you can do. Yeah, they can be fun. They can be fun. Okay. Um, so what, what other, what other subject you got there, Mark? Um, still trying to put it together but it's this thing with so in the summer people people are always outdoors um camping fishing um exercising so just with the s4 magnet there's so many things you can do like okay so the initial thing was with the refrigerator right it makes can you guys explain what it does exactly to a refrigerator and then like then we can move into a microwave and then because it, I think you guys talked about it, it creating a toroidal field, and so like it it makes the food fresher, takes out all of the uh, pesticides, herbicides, all that. Um, it lasts longer, and and so if somebody had it, you know, because cycling is a big thing, riding bikes. You know, here uh, where I live, there's bike lanes everywhere. So if you put an S4 magnet on a bike, what will that do to the person, and uh, maybe as a kind of performance enhancement, um, and then. So like in camping, you have uh, the tent and then there's, of course, metal poles. And so you put an S4 magnet on a tent and then it would also create that um, sacred geometry field because, you know, you can't get away from Wi-Fi. So people have it on their cell phones it, or, or like Internet jetpack, um, like video games people play in, in their tent right before they sleep or at night. Um, what's another one? But you know what I mean? This kind of thing where showing out application like um, armor layering and th this being a spiritual war, it's like there's just endless ways how you can um, up, up the game as far as uh, uh, raising people's consciousness without even them knowing. Like, So when it gets really hot outside, I mean, this happened like a week or so ago here locally, and everybody wants to stay indoors and have their air condition blasting. So obviously you could put an S4 magnet on the air condition and... Um, I wonder if it purifies the air, not just saving energy on the, the air-conditioned box itself, right? Um, and then, so people are inside watching TV, playing video games, so if anybody has a favorite chair, you can also put an S4 magnet on there and then increase stem cells on somebody. And, you know, it, it, <clears throat> the whole thing with the blue light and the radiation won't be as bad, and they're maintaining their... Um, um, consciousness and and um electromagnetic field i don't know if you guys want to go off on that and i can list some other things um other kinds of exercise equipment but the s4 magnet has just so many different uses that people don't know you bring up a lot of good points there and um and even when you're talking about the bikes and things like that and i'm gonna bring it back to the fridge too uh, that you talked about so i'm dropping notes down here um it affects the energy field so if people think you know they think well why would i want it on my bike 
because there's nothing, there's no motor on there. It's not flinging off frequencies. And Shungite has an effect on all energies and frequencies in our environment. And this ties back into the fridge. So you can have a Shungite nugget in your fridge. And what, for ease of this conversation, let's just generalize all that energy is orgone energy. Yes, it can all be, you know, honed down to different frequencies, this, that, and the other. But it has an effect on it. And that's why the fruits and vegetables, everything. And yes, it affects your, if you put a magnet on your fridge or freezer, the motor as well, which is the resistance for that electric motor to turn or generate or spin, you know, depending on the type of motor. Um, so there's less resistance in the energy around it. So it flows smoother. And then as far as in the fridge, it, again, it's all energy or frequency around it. It has nothing to do with electronics as far as Wi-Fi. Because if we think about it, we're, a good visual would be us uh, humans standing in a pool. And if we think about it that way, so then we really, because standing in air, we think, well, there's nothing around us. And that's just where our, our minds typically go. But if you use the visualization, you're underwater or in a pool, that, and that's called the water, the energy or orgone around you, it affects that. So regardless, if you're on a bike with a Shungai pendant or bracelet on you, it's affecting the energy around you. Um, so that's that's one way. And again, it's a hard thing to talk about because we don't really have terms. At least I don't know the terms for all of this. Um, we don't have layman's terms, as it would be called. But it, it, it'll affect the bike. It'll affect your energy field. And what it does is it doesn't Shanghai. We all talk about often and everyone online about it affects the electronics, the Wi-Fi and that. Yep. Not just that at all. Go out in the middle of the woods, sit down in your favorite spot where there are no electronics. Shanghai's going to have a massive effect on you. So it's, I mean, I'm not saying anybody's saying it's just an electronic thing. But if we all keep running that through our heads, it's an energy thing. And there's energy everywhere. Then we don't limit ourselves if somebody would think, well, why put it on a bike? Well, heck yeah, put it on a bike. You're moving within that pool of energy or water, remember, and that's a less resistance around you. And the resistance is sine waves, square waves. So I'll say frequencies that are coming in at certain angles, hitting your biofield or aura, and that absolutely disrupts you or causes you to have to regenerate that more so. So if you have Shungite around you, it eases all those energetic tensions and stresses or frequencies around you. An example is I had a, it was two days ago, I think, and I didn't, I didn't know she was a doc, actually it was two doctors, a doctor and her mom. So, and I, I wasn't ready for all this. I don't remember exactly what type of doctor they were. And long story short, they don't come in announcing, showing me their degrees, this, that, and then they're customers. They come in. I just happen to be over by the Shungite, of course, a synchronicity thing. And they said, well, tell us about this Shungite stuff. I'm like, well, I guess you just happen to walk up on the right guy. Uh, and they'd never been in the store. I don't think they even had a clue who the heck I even was. And that made no difference. So we chatted about it. And, th and she picked it up. And eyes, her eyes just, I was going to say pop out of her head, but that had been rude, wide. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I just felt that. And this isn't somebody that read a book, didn't read Nancy Shungite reality book, didn't listen to us on a podcast. They saw a black rock from Russia. But they were aware on the energy perspective, not just because they were doctors, but because of their understandings. And they saw how the effect it had on In fact, I got an email from them yesterday thanking me for the time I spent with them and showing them how Shungai and hopefully they get back to me and tell me more. Um, but that was and that happens all the time. So it's no again, it's not a placebo effect or anything else. It is what it is. Shungai affects all energies and you don't even have to know it. Uh, to have it have an effect. So that was one good example of that. Just 
why you would have it around you. Um, and again, even doesn't have to be just because you're sitting next to a Wi-Fi router or something like that. So even if I'm hiking out in nature, and we'll get into that in the next hour when Jalissa joins us, but we Shungai gridded a mountain called Crystal Mountain, and there were no cell phone. We didn't have cell phone service. So we had none of that out there, and it benefited literally the entire mountain and everybody around there as well. Um, so, and then you mentioned the AC too, and that's like AC, AC units, which are air conditioners. And it doesn't matter if it's an AC unit or a fan in your house or some other electronic. It's it's it removes the resistance is the best I can explain it. So it's less dense frequency wise. I know that doesn't you know completely make sense for those out there that are listening. Um, but again, we have to have a way of describing this. It's the because when you look into a room, you don't ex visually get to see stress, anxiety, tension energies that aren't coalescing with other ones in the room and when we walk in as humans we pick up on that and we say well i'm an empath i can feel it yep we all are and what it shungai does was break up those i'll just call them heavier frequencies that hang around and sometimes we call them attachments or um you know i'll leave that one alone but lots of different things and that's why shungai affects even that's what sometimes we call attachments or um you know build up of energy there's just lots of benefits. Um, I'm not sure that made total sense because it's, again, a hard thing to talk about that you don't even need to have an electronic device. It absolutely affects all of those because those are some of the ones, Not I wouldn't even say propagating the frequencies. They're slowing down the stuff around you that, again, I'll just deem, call orgone energy again. Um, it, it just slows the movement down. So if I see a room, and again, you don't have to visually see anything because you can all feel it. You've walked into a space or a place or come up on a person. Ooh, that's heavy energy. That doesn't feel good. Well, you sure didn't see anything, right? And it didn't smell differently. It's not, a, it's a metaphysical thing, which is 90% of reality. The other 10% is what we call physical. And that's all illusion anyway. So regardless, and you don't have to know this on the physics or scientific level or be able to explain it with big, you know, 25 cent words. You just have to realize, well, of course, energy matters. If somebody, again, tells me they love me or this, that, or gives me, that's energy. You feel it. It affects you. Um, and that's where Shungite comes in. It just breaks up the, it's kind of like a, a fan, as in a, a fan on your desk that's spinning, that moves the energy around so it doesn't coalesce into what we sometimes call negative energy or harmful energy. It can all be affected. All energies can be affected. Shungite's one of those physical tools that immediately has that effect. And then I'd suggest you affect the metaphysical part of it with your imagination and emotions. And I choose a love frequency. That's your thought. That's your intention. You know, they can call it, you know, entanglement. We've all had those experiences. We thought about your brother, grandma, sister, whoever. And all of a sudden they texted you or called you or that same thing. Um, it's just a difficult thing to talk about. And there's no set recipe either, meaning you don't have to do a certain thing with your Shungite nuggets or have it for this long because time's not a thing either. And that's often, I'm talking about literally the aspect of time, um, is usually worked into our recipes of doing energy work. Well, they don't, doesn't need to be. Um, so you can remove that aspect too. That's getting a little woo-woo there. So that might be for another podcast at some point. Um, but again, just knowing that, yep, if you jump on your bike, like Mark was saying, you're riding around, you are, and you're not, it's not like the energy behind you is closing in as you went through it. You literally, that's why I said a, like a fan on your desk, you dissipated or um, made it more cohesive with nature. So the way the energy should be in that area. So yeah, the bikers behind you 
are going to have an effect to one degree or another as well. Meaning just by going through that space. That's why you can throw shungai in a, a field or somewhere else like that. And yeah, it'll affect the trees around and all of that. It keeps the orgone energy moving in that space as well. So you can throw it in a, a pond and it'll move that again, what they call orgone energy in the pond and make it a living pond and, and things will start happening in there. I I want to re, re, uh, revisit the refrigerator thing because what I see happening is that when you take and you put the magnet on the refrigerator, the Shungite magnet, <laughs> um, what happens is that the magnetic field is now encompassing all of the metal of the refrigerator itself. That refrigerator is being propelled by electricity. Electricity is coming in. So you've got a shungite field, a magnetic field, and you've got the electricity itself. All of those are generating uh, energy fields that also attract orgon because orgon is attracted to metal. And when you're on a bike and you're riding it and it's got the magnet on it, you're attracting orgon to go with you. I mean, it's one thing just to be going fast, but when you've got the magnet thing, orgon's going to be attracted to you. It's going to be, I would think that it's, it would be a, um, if you're energy sensitive, that it would give you a totally different feeling about how you're feeling on that bike. Um, if I had a bike, I'd probably run out and try it. <laughs> so somebody that's got a bike, give it a try. But with the refrigerator, it's not <clears throat> it's not just what's happening inside the refrigerator it's what's happening on the outside of the refrigerator because all of these energies coming in the magnet the electric the organ and the shungai all of that is like the refrigerator becomes like a beacon beaming that energy into the surrounding area so in a we spend so much time in a kitchen and it's got a lot of uh, electricity flowing around there. When you've got the refrigerator that's a Shungite refrigerator, you're going to be in a healing environment instead of one that is really draining your energies. So, I, you know, it, it, if nothing else, get it on your refrigerator. And yes, you can put it on, like, even even if you just put it on the on a, a, a an air conditioner, okay, that the same thing is happening. You, you got to use metal. That's the key with the magnet. You have to use the metal because then you're making the entire piece of electric equipment a radiating beam of of shungite and orgon and electricity. Electricity isn't bad. It's it's just a way. See, well. What electricity does is it's got a flow to it, and it's flowing through everything that it touches. I mean, your your lights, where you plug in, the plugs for your lights and all that, it's radiating out into your environment, even if you haven't got anything plugged into it. That's why I tell people, take Shungite stickers and actually put that sticker over the uh, plug that you're not using because the electricity is still flowing. And it and if you've got it on other pieces of equipment, it's quite compact it's probably biocompatible already. But that electricity energy in and of itself is not natural. 
But if you imbue it with the shungite field, well, there you go. You've got the you've got the electricity that's flowing, and they say four to six feet into your house, into your every room. You're not going to get away from it. Then it's shungite energy. So another thing to to think about, and um, in in those cases, you really. You still you still sell the uh, Bucky uh, Bucky Band Aid the one that's just or do you just go with the, the silver now? Yeah. No, no, I think I think we have them all still. Um, okay. Just the other ones are more popular, but yeah, no, we have them all. Yeah, because they're normally less expensive because they're not they don't have the shungai uh, the silver in them. You can use those. You don't have to go with the uh, Wi-Fi uh, capability of the silver shungai. Uh, that takes care of electronics. Just think, electronics, silver. If you don't have it, it's just an electrical device, you know. Uh, the other things that people miss when they're dealing with shungite is power tools. Uh, when I was doing some research on uh, electromagnetic poisoning, one person, and I think it was a guy simply because they kept talking about this lawnmower, they had moved into some property. They got a, uh, an electric lawnmower. And after, like, I, th I don't think it was more than two seasons, he suddenly had uh, cancer. And I can't remember the details of, or maybe he didn't have them. Maybe he just knew. He said that he felt that being on that lawnmower was what did it to him, which is very, you know, probable. So, um I just wanted to point those things out. And we're at the top of the hour, so we're going to try to uh, put up a song. <laughs> I'm having player problems. We're, I think I can do this. Okay, so we'll be back in just a little bit here as soon as I find him. There we go.
And welcome back to Shungite Reality. It is July 11th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is, uh, well, we got Derek Condit, we got Mark Joseph, and apparently we've got Jalissa Condit. So, hello there. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great, thank you. How's everyone doing? We're getting through it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, Derek, where do you want to go now? Um, I did have a couple of topics, I guess. I, like I said, I was waiting on Jalissa to join us so she can give some input on those. But I don't know, Jalissa, if you want to talk to him, I shared in chat already a couple images of the Cedro Woolly Loggers parade and then um, and then Crystal Mountain. Did you want to jump in on one of those and start? Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's so much to talk about. It's been a few weeks, I think, or at least two since you've been on and um, since I've been on to chat about all the happenings going on. So um, I guess first, you know, we uh, went out to Montana and, you know, we drove out there. So what was it, maybe 11, 12 hour drive, Derek? Yeah, yeah, it was probably something yeah, like that. So that, was, that was a lot of fun, but like on the way there, you know, there was a lot of places that could sure use some extra love. So I'm glad that we we're out there, um, you know, adding to the Shungite grid. And that was also an area that you hadn't been yet. Is that right, Derek? Yeah, I'd never been in that area at all. So it was nice to, um, you know, again, share hundreds of pieces of Shungite on, on the way there and back, not to mention there as well. Oh yeah, and man, um, I guess, oh God, like where sh should we start? There's a lot of fun things that we came across. I think we shared with Nancy a picture of a little hotel with a spaceship out in front of it that Derek got to uh, take a picture with. <laughs> oh, I forgot <laughs> I about that. that. Yeah, we, we went basically for everybody listening. So we're, of course we're located on the on the west coast in washington state and then we you know shot east that 12 something ish hours like Jalissa mentioned to uh, montana and actually our our end location was a and i don't know so i guess maybe Jalissa or somebody can correct me if i'm wrong but it's actually called i don't know how official the mountain is but it's called crystal mountain um meaning officially named that but there is a location and which was our point of the trip was to get out, Shungai grid, um, go to Crystal Mountain. And so again, in those images I shared in chat, it's basically a, a an area, it's, it's really a, a hill um, that's been sectioned off. So, and those images don't look, so long story short, for those that are hearing this podcast later, not seeing these images I'm about to describe, what the images show is just the side of a, a hill, basically, um, 
that has a bunch of holes in it and there's trees peppered throughout. So it is a forest area and which is, I'm glad they actually section this off so that people crystal digging just don't go out everywhere because it is damaging to that environment. That was kind of startling when we got there, just how many just straight up holes in the ground there were everywhere, people digging up crystals. Um, they would, you know, they'd fill in as it rained as we found that out the hard way, but yeah, there was a thunderstorms to come through there. So basically what I'm saying is they all get filled back in. But when we were there, we literally walked around this, the, the crystal mountain and we're just putting Shungite nuggets in, in some of the holes people were digging in. They weren't in there at the time. Um, so put it under trees. I mean, just hundreds. I just walk around scattering them um, and things like that as well. So that, again, if, so if you look it up, Crystal Mountain in Montana, which is where people go to big, dig out quartz crystal and amethyst crystal points and just different types of even smoky ones. So different types of crystals that range from maybe, you know, the tip of your pinky up to a fist size, or as one of the people there described it, the size of a potato. Um, and there's lots of locations like this, but this is one in Montana where, where people were doing this for evidently many, many years. So we thought it'd be a good idea to, because it's such a large, again, crystal mountain. Well, what better place than to Shungai grid that and tie it in um, as well. as I, I'm, I'm laughing here because I'm thinking of these people looking for crystals and they're going to be digging up these black rocks. Oh, they oh are. Oh, God, what is this? You know, it's like people will be shungited who have absolutely no clues if they feel it, you know. They're going to, what is this? <laughs> well, that already happened because Jalissa did it first. She didn't know. We, we, we wandered off different areas sometimes. So basically I was wandering around. She didn't know where I was and she find, I mean, she can tell the story, but she finds herself in a hole and sees spots of Shungite nugget. And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's like, you could just walk and see like, I think we came, he had said that we came in and it had just rained too. So the ground was sparkly. So you could see all the little tiny baby crystals everywhere. So even like that's a really fun place for kids. You know, I wish we could have like had more time to spend there, um, but uh, a storm was coming in. So we didn't get to spend too much time, unfortunately. But yeah, you just see the ground sparkle and there's little baby crystals all over. So a lot of fun. Um, of course, we want to you know try to find a bigger. Uh, bigger Dar Dar of what makes that mountain? How did it come about? that you got all these crystals in the mountain. Oh, it's not even just that mountain, Nancy. Just so you know, most places you can go and do this. They're all over the place. It's not even just that mountain or hill, all the ones around. It's just, of course, a geological thing. Um, and most mountains do have crystals. That's what a lot of people don't realize, is if you just look around, as Jalissa mentioned, it had rained, I don't know, the day or two before or something. We didn't even have to dig holes. We were walking around, and you could spot the crystals just shining. It was like glitter on the ground. And you could walk around and just pluck them up if you wanted to. Um, but basically, and they come to the surface just from the, the erosion. And in this case, on Christmas, yeah, people digging holes in spots. But it happens naturally anyway, which is how this spot was located. So it's really just one of countless geological formations or locations that tend to have crystals up near the surface. Um, and they get just, again, as a mountain, and they do move very slowly of course but then those crystals get get churned up and and released from wherever they're growing and come to the surface um and there's, there's other spots here in washington you can do that unfortunately some people have put claims on them and things like that and try and charge for it but you know we want to take advantage of it and she had mentioned too we weren't there as long as we wanted well that's that's okay because as we saw we were there for as long as was needed 
because we were there to Shanghai grid the place. And again, it was hundreds and hundreds of Shanghai nuggets spread through that whole mountain, um, which is absolutely going to have an effect on the crystals that are leaving there as well. So, but yeah, it, I can't tell you the exact, you know, geological processes that did this, that, and the other in there to any real degree. Um, but it's really more, more mountain or hillsides than people would think. And yes, yeah, some tend to have a denser, um, you know, number of crystals, which is why this one was kind of, you know, dying out as a, as crystal mountain. Um, but yeah, no, they're all over the place. And you, it's just, it's, so it's just the right ingredients. Actually, I um, took a picture of some of the informational boards while we were there. And so there oh, yeah. is, I can read a little bit of information about what the board says, and I'm um, getting the pictures uploaded so I can share them in chat. Um, but the crystal uh, collision creates conditions for crystal collision creates conditions for crystals. About 72 million years ago, deep beneath the Earth's surface, conditions were right for the formation of quartz crystals. The Pacific Ocean floor was and still is being subducted under the North American continent as these two plates of Earth's crust collide. Miles below Earth's surface, the rocks of the Pacific Ocean floor are melting under the intense heat and pressure. One zone of molten rock had just the right combination of chemical elements to form crystals of quartz, feldspar, and dark colored minerals like mica, hornblende. As the molten rock cooled, it crystallized into the Ranodiorite of the Pioneer Atholith. Okay, I'm going to stop reading now. <laughs> but there's a little information about how they're created, and I'll share that picture here in chat in just a little bit. Yeah, I put a link in there too, everyone. So in chat, but um, that's a, what is it? Beaverhead Deer Lodge National Forest. Um, and again, I mean, you don't have to go to Montana to do this. We could have gone half an hour away and probably even closer than that and found a, a hillside or mountain just not as known and you know maybe not as densely packed with crystals um but there's there's areas so people can get online and do searches for their for their region and see what's maybe already been identified but even don't let that stop you if you got a hill in your backyard go play in the dirt see what you find there's all kinds of things and take some shungai with you i'm trying to share some other links on here but that was the per and we got some of them on there. It's hard to do on the Shungite Grid map, but for those that don't know, there's a link on mysticalwares.com for the Shungite Grid page. And when you get on that page on our website, you'll get links to all over the place. But basically, it'll take you to a Google map that we started several years ago, which has tens of thousands of points on it now, uh, literally across the entire globe. And again, recently, we added some of the ones um, or the location of Crystal Mountain and everywhere in between because we were tossing nuggets through the, you know, the hillsides and mountains while we were driving. Um, and again, for those in chat now, Jalissa shared some images that show, you know, little tiny crystal points that we had found. And that's an idea. And they're not all what you might term perfectly formed because, you know, they've been, you know, churned in the earth and things have happened to them. But energetically, they're beautiful. There's no issue with them. Uh, so, yeah, so we did, we, you know, I'd say, you know, highly, I don't know if that makes sense, but immensely added to the Shungai grid. And we by no means added those several hundred, many hundreds of nuggets, all those points to the grid. So we just kind of had to pepper here and there, uh, but we were very generous with it on the Shungai. And then she did also share, and again, some of the, uh, some of the information um, on Crystal Park itself. That tells you about the geological processes and how they're formed and what's going on basically growing pockets and then the pockets move but yeah it was a lot of fun i don't know mark and nancy if you have any questions about 
uh, Crystal Mountain or anything like that. Um, or we, and we can jump into whenever you guys are ready. The <clears throat> what I was talking, waiting for Jalissa on, which was the Loggers Day Parade. But we did want to bring up more, Derek, before the Loggers Day. <laughs> What's that now? I said we have way more to still talk about before Loggers Day. Um, so, well, on our way there, we ran into like there's mining towns all over. So the one with a spaceship. I'm like, can I share a picture of that, Derek? Uh, that oh, was sure. Wallace. No, in I won't Idaho. hear anybody laughing. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Wallace, Idaho, and so it's a well-known um, city. And I think they found like the most silver within that town. I'll have to go back and. Oh, what show was filmed there? Or something everybody's going to know. Uh, Dante's Peak. Okay, so that little town in Idaho she's talking about was where Dante's Peak. If anybody knows about that show, was filmed, and yeah, and actually, what she was just said real quickly was. What what Julissa is the largest um I don't know what the word would be, but the most silver comes from that spot anywhere. And I didn't know that. It was an item. We just I mean, coincidence that we went to the place where the largest is of course silver in Shungite. The combo there is not lost on us. That's kind of what we're talking about too. Um so all that area was shungited as well. And I, apparently one of the largest silver mines. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was really cool. I wish that we could have spent more time, but just the weather had other plans for us um, because they do different like mining tours in these towns. And I think even um, closer to where we landed at Crystal Mountain or Crystal Park, I also think that they did have some tours there, but we just weren't able to venture out and discover those things. Um, so if people are interested in doing some crystal digging um, you can look those places up and find out some more information um, but on the way there man we just came across like so much devastation and so we're, i'm happy that we were able to like go through these uh remote areas that you know had forest fires go through there just a lot of you know um trees that were you know infested with like bugs or spray that were just dying and so I think it was just really good that we went in that direction uh, so that we could get some Shungite in those areas that really needed it. Yeah, well, she's talking about some of the, I didn't mean to cut you off. She's talking about some of the areas along the highways who were driving again, it's 12 something hours. I think it ended up being more than that with the, the stops. But what I'm getting at is a long trip and then we drive around some of these highways and you'd see on the side of whatever highway we were on, in this case, I'm trying to tell you the highway we were on, 90, I think, I-90 for a lot of the trip. You could, let's, for example, look off the left side of the road, you'd see all the trees, maybe three layers in, so three trees in from the road would be dead or dying or rotting, and then the bushes as well, um, things like that. So meaning just brown dead, you could tell, and then look, so let's say tree in the tree line, number four out would be perfectly healthy. So that stuff traveling through the highways, um, I don't know if we want to get in all that, that is affecting not just the trees. So because then we're thinking, well, maybe it's a, this bug infestation or this one, or they're having this beetle problem or blah, blah, blah. And there's, yeah, a percentage of all of that. But when it, this death or devastation, which it was, transfers over to the shrubs and bushes and plants, it's not a beetle thing. The beetles are attacking the trees. So when we realized that that's what was going on, so long story short, Somebody was driving something down this highway, and I talked just a little bit about this because they do it on trains as well, um, with, I'll just say, nothing compatible with nature. 
it affected and killed those trees. One of the things I'm getting at, yeah, our nuclear stuff, um, waste, all of that stuff travels. It doesn't, it's not floating through the air. It's on our trains and they don't announce it. Um, it's on trucks that go through the highways and in these areas. And it absolutely, again, in this example of me talking about nuclear stuff, it radiates the plants and kills them. And then there's other toxins and chemicals, even if it's, this isn't a whole show on that, but even trains with those crude oil tankers. And there's been, I don't know how many studies on this that I've read and or just straight up articles. Those are emitting massive amounts of toxins. So if somebody's parking a train next to you and with some oil cars or tankers on them, well, that's not a good thing. Those vapors, which are 100% cause cancer and toxins come off, they, they don't just stay around that train. So, and I lived in an area where they would do this in Goldbar, Washington. You'd wake up, I was near railroad tracks. You'd see a train just parked there, maybe waiting for the next one to go or it's turn or whatever the deal is. That's not a good thing. And not a lot of that's being talked about. So we, with knowing that and having that understanding, um, we did what we could. So we add shungite to the environment to help regenerate it where we can. Um, but yeah, that was part of it. So when she starts saying about the, you know, the, the destruction of the trees, it's a lot of it's human stuff. And shungite, it, again, there's 50 something studies on our shungite FAQ page that talk about everything from chemicals to rad particles, which is radiation and how it affects that. Um, so that's, I think that was a big reason why we were meant to go on this trip. And then Jalissa, we'll have to, uh, cause she just shared in chat. Uh, I don't even know if I'm in that image. If it, what am I sitting inside? Maybe a little, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm in a little spaceship. It's just a little, uh, um, a touristy thing at a place in that town that she was talking about. And I guess, yeah, I guess I am in there really far in there in the dark. So you don't see the alien there, but we want to go back to the crystal or the silver mines in that same town and go on those tours and guess what's going to be happening. Just now are going to be flinging the shungite out of our pockets everywhere we can uh, to get it in there and do things like that. So that was, and we didn't, I wasn't fully aware of this town and I think I'd been through there once or something, but didn't really stop and visit. So I wasn't aware of the silver mines. So um, that, that wasn't random that we picked up on that and went down and talked to somebody in the, the same city. But yeah, that picture is just a, a little, uh, you know, touristy spot for photos the the ufo mm -hmm. do you have anything else to listen yeah, to talk about? really nice place mm -hmm. <laughs> um but yeah we're i'm so happy that we just took that route and everything was cut short unfortunately but it was actually a good thing that it was cut short too because then once we got back we were able to go to another location nearby um the, was it monte cristo trail Oh, I forgot about that. That's yeah. yeah, she's she's right. We went so here in um, well, I think it's Gadget County. It doesn't really matter. It's right here in northern Washington. There's an uh, an abandoned. Well, they call it a ghost town and I haven't been there in over a decade at least. But it's an old um, silver and gold mine up in the mountains here in Washington. You have to hike many miles to it. Um, there's no roads that go up there any longer. I guess way back when it, it was. But now it's just a, a hike of I don't know, four or five miles each way when you get there. And then we, and I don't know that we have, if you have photos, if you can share them, please, Jalissa. I'm not sure if we even had photos, but basically, do. I'll, you do? Okay. I'll do a description of some people here because um, I actually forgot about that because we move on to stuff so quickly. But we, Jalissa and I, hiked out there with the Shungai, and what's left is, oh, I don't know, a half dozen buildings, small cabins, we'll just say, um, at the top of a mountain, again, just bordering 
where they were mining, which is all over the place up there. So it's not like there was just one hole in the mountain that we walked in or anything. It was just the whole area. Uh, and then we just Shungite gridded, as we call it, that entire area too. Um, and recently it was closed down, the same area I'm talking about, Monte Cristo. And there's warnings as you go there, don't drink the water. And by the way, everybody, that's in any mine area. I don't care now if you go tomorrow and they say they cleaned it 20 years ago, that water going through these creeks and streams has not washed out all the arsenic, all the chemicals, the stuff they used and still use often in mining processes that gets put into the water. So literally in this area we're talking about, and it's out past Granite Falls, Washington, for those you know locals that maybe want to get a better idea of where we're talking about, on uh, down on the Mount Loop Highway. That's where you would start your hike and go in. Uh, and then they closed it down, I don't know, several years ago to do a cleanup job. Um, and they're only doing so much. It's not like they're going to, you know, filter an entire miles of creek or anything like that. So it's unfortunately that that's what happens after mining. So then, yeah, what else can you do? Put some shungite out there, throw it in the rivers, the creeks, get that orgone living energy moving again so it can regenerate. Um, so we had a lot of fun doing that um, just because we're, you know, enjoying being together and then being in the woods out there in nature and then spreading and expanding the Shungite grid. I'm sharing some pictures in chat right now. Um, so when Derek uh, was talking about a few years ago that they did some cleanup on there, I um, shared an Im image. Um, it's called the, they have a section that they call the repository. And that's where like all the contaminants were put during the cleanup and you walk right by it and then there's you know a stream right next to it so yeah oh i just looked at something so anybody who's in chat if you can click on the image of jillis and i standing in front of the the hiking signboard for monte cristo information click on it again maximize that thing look at the very top of the board, the billboard I'm talking, there's a piece of wood up there that just part of it supports it. You're going to see a little Shungite nugget up there. I just realized that we got that in the photo. So there is a, and you got to zoom in, but you'll see a Shungite nugget we stuck right on the top of that signboard, we'll call it, um, as well. Same with the repository. Oh, was it as well? Okay, I'm going to go through all those. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the repository sign, which oh, I'll tell you a little bit about that, too. So, yeah, if you zoom in on that sign, hard to see, but above the O in the word repository, zoom in. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but I had to balance a little Shungite nugget on there. Um, and it's still it's not sitting on there anymore. I'm sure wind blew it off, but it's sitting under the sign, not to mention the hundreds of others we spread. But the repository, which is why and I put a huge amount of nuggets in that area, is basically that's the, uh, it's, we don't have it in the view there, but it's a hillside right behind that sign that's the tailings. It's all toxins. What they did was took their their aftermath, their um, again, their their chemically treated, a lot of it's arsenic and different chemicals, tralines, and just stuck it in a pile, threw some dirt on it, and put a sign. If you read that sign, it says, Oh, don't touch. As if, and by the way, behind if if you're looking at that sign I keep talking about, the repository, and if you were if you were standing there and you turned around behind you, you'd be looking down at the creek. Well, that stuff didn't stay in that repository. It's leaching out into the water. So we were flinging Shungite like crazy out there as well. Um, just lots of it. Uh, so anyway, I um, wanted to mention that as well. Yeah, and you know, I so I've always been a big hiker, camper, very outdoorsy. And so went on a lot of hikes around uh, this area. 
And this trail was a trail I've always wanted to go to. And for some reason, I just never made it out there. And um, I guess a good thing too, because of people that would I would talk to about these this hike, they'd be like, oh yeah, the water's beautiful, jump in, you know, go swimming, you know, go camping out there. And yeah, I'm glad I didn't <laughs> spend too much time out there. Um, because yeah, most people don't know that um, they really shouldn't in that area. As beautiful as it is, you know, be careful. <laughs> yeah, and, and and no, you're right. And on that image, another image she shared up here, where there's again for the listeners, there's a sign of a couple old, a picture of a, a couple old um, tin or metal signs that say "Welcome to Monte Cristo" and Monte something else. It says on the other one um, that were dragged down from the the town or site to this area, which is where you enter. And but basically what I'm saying is that massive boulder that's the size of a probably an apartment behind it, um, a single apartment. Uh, we shine that nuggets are all through there too. So even walking through those signs, you don't see it in this image because I didn't take the time to zoom in on them. But there are literally even Shungite nuggets tucked up under that massive, who knows how many ton boulder that's supporting the Monte Cristo signs, because that's a spot where clearly people go to take selfies or photos. Um, so we were, you know, taking advantage of that and just trying to affect the energies in a good way everywhere. But yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out as far as don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't get in any water around any mine site uh, anywhere of any kind, because I know about the cleaning processes um, and I'll say cleaning loosely. So it's just not something you want to drink. And I think we even, I think Jalissa found a sign saying somewhere, you know, like, don't even fill your canteens from the water around here. Um, you got to filter it first. And I'd say, no, bring your own water. Don't, don't even trust filtering it just just don't use it but so then we took the positive route and added that shungite to it uh, oh yeah Jalissa, you uh she just shared another photo i'm gonna let her talk for that one about a minute because i had never seen it before and so go to tell them about the tree please yeah so um since we cut that trip short we were looking for other things to do and where else we can you know shungite grid and deception pass is one of my most favorite places to go and it's only maybe 40 minutes uh, or half hour drive from the store here at mystical wares it's a very beautiful location but it is very close to the naval base as well so it can be pretty busy popular location um, but there's you know i've gone there since i was a child and i always remember this beautiful old tree that you know we'd love to climb and play on well, over the years, they have since, you know, fenced it off to protect it from, you know, all the little kids that are constantly wanting to climb it or other people trying to carve into it. Um, but yeah, really gorgeous tree. So I shared some images in chat. I think I have one more to upload. Um, but we were able to go in and give it some extra love and add shungite to it, of course, because that's what we do. But uh, this tree is, um, over 850 years old. It's a Douglas fir, and so really cool shape. And it's, you know, growing up, it was a very easy to climb tree. So, you know, we'd be out there uh, hiking and camping, and you go say hello to this old tree and make sure to give it a hug. So. And, and yeah, and that's that's awesome because, like I said, I'd never been there, so she brought me there for the first time. And in the bottom image, I'll do my best for getting the listeners. Uh, there's a photo and it's like well what am i looking at you're looking at part of one whole tree yes in the background there's a couple others peppered but in the image she's sharing where you see a small wooden fence that we easily just stepped over um 
And then the, all that you're seeing there is one tree. This is a massive tree. You couldn't even begin to put your arms around, or heck, some of the branches you couldn't wrap your arms around. They were that big, very unusual, very old. Uh, on that trip, we didn't have Shungite nuggets with us to this park. So, no, she's doing better shots up there now. So, well, of course, I'm wearing a Shungite bracelet. I grab that sucker, break it off, start pulling beads, all the beads out of it. Um, and so we had our Shungite. And then in little nooks and crannies and barks and things like that, that Shungite, that tree got peppered with Shungite in a, in a lot of ways. And then some really cool shots there, again, for those who get to see the images, because it's, and even that, it doesn't look like that big of a tree from the images, but it's massive. You could literally have dozens of people climbing all over in that, which I'm sure there was when you were kids, at a time. So it's kind of you know disproportionate in the images, but it, it is it's 850 years old for a reason. Plus, and that's that's so. Um, now, yeah. is that is that tree grow like that normal condition, or is this just special to that? I mean, that's a bizarre growth pattern. <laughs> It is, and that's, I don't, Jalissa, maybe you have, well, I'll tell you, I before I, as I, go I ahead. I don't think it normally does grow that way, but because of its location, so it's really close to, uh, it gets windswept through there. Um, it's, you can see the sand dunes, so it's right along the beach. So wow. I'm sure it's, yeah, it's, look it's up high, Nancy. Say yeah, again? No, I was going to say, look up high in that picture. Because you'll see kind of in the middle where in the shot she took, you'll see where it kind of forks or wise off. Well, what I'm saying is two branches up high were going opposite directions. The tree filled in a bigger piece of that area to support itself. That was a man-made thing. And it's kind of hard to see. But it kind of – so think like the crook of your elbow. Branch started going left. The other one went right. Well, it fattened up and made a whole other trunk almost up in the tree to support itself and that that wonky shape for those that aren't seeing this again just massive tree that's kind of, i don't have a description kind of going every which way um it's well yeah, you very, know there, there's a thing we have um what they call live oaks down here and when a live oak gets so high it it starts to to it starts to get fatter but it also starts to shrink in its height. And I thought that the guy that told me that was out of his mind, except that I've been on the property for 37 years or something, and I've actually seen this happen to the live oak. The limb that I could reach up and touch when I first lived here, now I can easily step up on. And I'm wondering if this tree may have done the same thing because of the way that it looks like it was the top of an, of another tree you know what i'm saying you don't normally see those with that branching at the at the bottom of the tree like that anyway i don't know it's magical i'll, I'll tell you i've got to, i'm going to take it off my my window here because it's ah, <laughs> i get sucked into these things you know what i'm saying Oh, I, I, so Jalissa, you actually climbed that, huh? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I was all the time. And what did you feel? What did you feel? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I've always been a tree hugger. So it just always felt oh. good and refreshing and invigorating, I guess. It, you know, anytime I 
you know, call to touch a tree or hug it and it just, it feels good. And, you know, as a child, you don't really think much of it. You just do it. And so that one was the easy tree that I could get up on <laughs> with my siblings. So they're all older than me. So yeah, it was fun to go and visit. But I'm glad that they've keeping people off of it, to be honest with you. People yes, are so damaging. Yeah. And, plus, and plus, I bet there was more than one kid that fell out of that tree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very interesting. So all in all, you had a productive Shungite gridding experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, so. Yeah, we did. We went through it. I don't know what to tell you about a bag, but a bag of just, again, it was just probably thousands, who knows how many pieces, because not like we're counting them. But over the the extent of the whole trip, yeah, everywhere from the Puget Sound waterways, this tree, and in the Puget as well, too, because I've thrown it over the bridges and things, all the way deep into Crystal Mountain, Montana, all that was Shungai, and everywhere in between, Shungai gridded in that, that, I don't know, several days we were doing that. When I started out on the Shungai mission, the mission was to get Shungai to the masses. And over the years, you in particular have uh, added to the Shungai grid that is absolutely worldwide. I'm wondering, we, we got talking about ley lines. I don't even remember what show it was on. But we were talking about ley lines. and Saturday show, I guess, say what. And one of the things that I, I we were talking about holy sites, special sites. And I said that, you know, in my opinion, the ley line system of the world has actually shifted, is different than it was. And that, and it's it's in part because of Gaia just making shifts in her own evolution. So there's been a shifting of the energy grid that's there. But I'm wondering if having all that, a Shungite grid is also doing, you know, assisting in that kind of transition and I think that the Schumann resonance is very very much associated with ley lines and so maybe this up and down and crazy amount of the Schumann resonance changing uh, you know where it was stable for all my life all of a sudden it's like going berserk if that's not uh, an indicator of that change or caused because of that change any comments um yeah there's i i don't i don't believe that when i see the grid map i mean nothing lines up for me anyway so i think there's you know, there's a lot of fallacy in that as far as where they say this is and the other because I, I think it all moves um and does change and you can boost it so um yeah that's a tough topic to talk about because it's not like you can point out say well there's the grid there um it's but it's not in the few maps I've seen, it it varies because I'll see again. I can only describe it because I'm just kind of a blunt guy. I'm like, okay, I can see the energies, and there's stronger accumulation of energy from here moving that way. So I'm guessing that's what the scientists are calling the their ley lines or grid. But I'll tell you, those can vary as well, um, especially right now with the whole Schumann stuff happening. I'll just be real big on that one. That's blasting the heck out of me, and not just me. Everyone, whether we know it or not. Um, and, you know, really having an effect on us. I'm talking about all the way up till this morning. That's a thing, absolutely. So even when that happens, and then bring it back to the grid, it does affect that as well. So it's it's not a, a hard, concrete, 
and not that anybody's saying that, but like, you know, a 20 foot section going this way, it kind of varies. Um, so it's, it's, it's really difficult for me to talk about at least because it, it's not, it doesn't stay the same. It's, it's almost like there's a net over the earth and the earth is slowly moving and not in just one direction uh, with it around it. So it kind of varies. Um, so yeah, I don't know how more. more well, I kind of, I kind of think that the light workers kind of think it's a weird thing I, I i i'm seeing the light workers are drawn to certain locations in order to ground energies that you know maybe wherever you are if you are a light worker is a sacred piece of ground it's you know a key energy point because you are a drawn there and you're grounding cosmic energies let's put it that way it's so it is a difficult subject because there's so many layers of it but i like to touch on these things to give people a sense of it's all connected and it's energy and it's just that's what i feel is my mission and i don't think it'd be to lend to shungite if it wasn't you know to make these people start because a lot of the problems that we have trying to talk to uh <laughs> I think of it as clinically educated scientists in that they're given a script of this is what it is instead of the concept of science, which is free thinkers looking at reality and making adjustments and perception based on their own specific perceptions. Everything, everybody sees it different. You can't see the same reality anybody else is. They're in a different position than you are. They are different. You, you, you. Each of us has a unique experience. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's the the people that are drawn to a certain area may be drawn there because it's part of the idea of you know grounding the new energies. But that's just me. <laughs> but I like people to be aware of it. You know, the Shungite is 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 pretty amazing. Mark, you've been quieter. Do you guys have anything more? Did you? Oh, you wanted to talk about the parade. Let's talk about the parade because that was interesting. Yeah, let Jalissa, you go ahead on that one too, please. Hey, Jalissa, do me a favor. I don't know if you're turning away from the mic, but your sound is coming in and out. So if you can just think of, to talk into the mic, unless you're having a signal problem. But um, it could be a signal problem. I'm on my cell phone doing this, and I've been oh. having a lot of cell issues lately. Okay, that may. Okay, not a problem. Go ahead. Does that sound better? Well, you're not talking. <laughs> um, so the Fourth of July parade. Yeah, that was really great. It it was held in Cedar Woolley, Washington, and I guess it is one of the longest standing parades in Washington State, or one of the oldest uh, parades. So it's a pretty big deal. And we weren't really sure what to expect. We knew we had to make a lot of stuff to, you know, gift out as much stuff as we could um, to the crowds of people. But man, there are thousands. So we actually, we are going to be a part of the Skagit Bigfoot Fest in September 29th and 30th here at the Skagit County Fairgrounds. And we were asked to, you know, be a sponsor and be a part of it to be put on by a good friend of mine. Uh, her name's Marla Chaffa, and she has the uh, Skagit Social business, but she's a real estate agent and uh, with Keller Williams and does a Homes for Heroes program. So she's really big on 
uh, helping out veterans and you know it's just uh, always um, in the community helping wherever she can she's a really great person so she's putting on the Skagit Bigfoot Fest and of course you know she heard about us with the Bigfoot and Sasquatch and all our carvings and Derek just being really big on Sasquatch and she asked us to do a collaboration uh, especially now that we have the bus so that was a lot of fun. Derek was actually um, hoping to get in costume and drive the, fast, the our bus um, in costume, but it was pretty hot that day. But it was a really great time. Um, do you want to chat a little bit more about it, Derek? Yeah, that was fun because we didn't know. I mean, I don't know, tens of thousands of people. And some of those photos, as I shared with you, Nancy, there's like five or six people deep on the sidewalks, depending where you're at. So we're, we round the corner where... Um, 98, I believe, number 98 in a lineup of, I think it was 116 floats or vehicles or, you know, whatever it was they entered in the parade. So we come around the corner and again, I'd never been in this. All of a sudden I see, oh my gosh, there are just people everywhere. So then I'm like, whoop, I better, you know, because I'm driving the bus and there's people all over and people walking in front and behind. So I'm just being real cautious. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and then Jalissa and some others went out and we're, we're gifting different everything from stickers to polished rock necklaces all kinds of goodies and candy of course uh to the pe people watching um but no that was a good time and it was again a lot bigger than i think either of us expected and actually i was told that it was i think it was told it was the largest parade of that parade so the most entries ever is what it was so um no that was a lot of fun and so we you know hopefully a lot of people you know, follow up on their business cards or stickers they got and and come check out Mystical Wares and learn some more about Shungite. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a blast. And then she mentioned, oh, go ahead. More pictures up to, because I think I have um, some good ones where you can see the amount of people in the crowd. Yeah, there were a lot. And I shared a link on there too. And it's for those, again, listeners, SkagitBigfootFest.com. I mean, that's that link to that festival coming up at the end of September, as Alyssa mentioned, that we'll be sponsoring. And we're going to take our um, – so, Nancy, I know you know, and Mark, too, that we have a seven-foot-tall cedar-carved Sasquatch in Mystical Wares. So we're going to bring him and, – and we have lots of other Sasquatches as well, smaller ones. That's just the big guy. Um, and bring him in for to this festival in our, our booth or vendor area so people can take selfies Um and then we're going to have lots of Shungite with us and hopefully get to chit chat with people and, and, you know, open up their understandings of this stuff, not just Shungite, but Bigfoot and, and all of that. There's a lot of people up here do know, um, you know, that actually even Montana, I'm trying to figure out how it even came up, but they're aware of Bigfoot and Sasquatch over there as well. And of course, Montana, you would think so. Um, but I even came across people in Arizona that were, that saw it. I had a friend, a correctional officer friend. Um, who saw a Bigfoot just, you know, literally running with the backdrop of some hillsides. I lived in the city he was talking about. I wasn't there with him. And he starts describing it to me. I'm like, wait a minute. I used to live there, right in that area, and drive by those exact hills. And he's a non-believer. Um, he's all, yeah, well, that thing you talk about Bigfoot, and he sort of goes into his story about, you know, he can tell from the distance how tall it was because there were vehicles in, in front from a distance away. Huge, you know, 8, 9, 10, who knows, way larger than a human covered with hair running it, it was dusk or something at night in the desert um going from, so yeah I'm, I'm only reading that and i'm only, i'm really truncating that story but 
to make the point that, yeah, even if you live out in the desert, don't think you have to drive to Montana or Washington or wherever. You don't have to have a tree right there. They're all over the place. Um, and this, was, again, was a, a story, uh, a sighting from somebody who just couldn't wrap his head around it, still didn't accept what it was. He's like, I just can't explain it. And I just, I can't think of it any more than that. And that was kind of where it ended there. I'm like, no problem. I understand. I'm not trying to overwhelm you. Um, but again, from the non-believers out there, when I get those type of stories, and these are, again, and this was a, a prison guard, a correctional officer for, I don't know, 25 years or something, not into, you know, even talking about this stuff and just happen to, you know, have that conversation with me. So that was interesting. She also shared, uh-oh, I'm not sure what audio you just shared. I'm not sure if I should be nervous or not. But in chat there, um, or is that a video? I don't really know. But you see me from inside of the bus now. It's a video. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> well, I guess I'll hit play too and see what's on there. But what you see in one of those shots is me, well, at least my my face in the, because it's an old school bus we bought, a 2002, I don't know, 30-something foot, actually just right around 30 foot school bus um, that I'm driving there. And then you can see out the windshield, just the layers of people down one of the main thoroughfares on the loggers parade um, in Cedro Woolley that we were talking about. Uh, so, and the, the bus was packed with people as well. We had a, what you don't see is there was a Sasquatch standing right next to me. So I had the bus's doors open the entire time and I had red lights flashing on the bus, the little sign that pops out that says stop for children. Well, I replaced that and put a big metal Sasquatch crossing sign on there. So I opened that thing up and hit all the buttons I could on there. So the bus was really flashing and doing things. And then in that open door, like I mentioned, there's a a guy, um, I forget his name right now, but he's he's gonna be at the Sasquatch Fest as well um, in a Bigfoot costume. And then there's another one somewhere else in the parade walking around in a Yeti costume. So think just a white one um, trucking around too. So that was a lot of fun seeing all the kids. Even Nancy, I don't know if I mentioned, but as we're driving through, so again, I'm in this school bus, drivers, people behind me, and the, the guy in the open door. I don't even know how many times, because like I said, I was really focusing because I didn't want to have any issues or accidents. Also, I hear from the crowd, we love mystical wares. And then, of course, all the kids, hundreds of them pointing out the Sasquatch. Some of us would hear our names mentioned too. And what I'm getting at is I didn't realize that we were getting as known as we were. And I think that's a good thing. So hopefully those people share it and, and people get more, you know, more interactions with this kind of stuff and open up to it. But it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know what's on that video, but I don't know if it's all clear. So. It's just a video of the parade. Um, um, one of our friends uh, shared with us that she was on the sidelines watching and uh, as we were passing by, she did a quick video. So yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely we'll be doing that again next year and we'll be better prepared. <laughs> yeah, this was the last minute thing that we didn't know we were we were getting into. It was actually the Skagit Bigfoot Fest. Marla, that she had mentioned, so, she's so nice and um, she's really good at what she does, um, promoting all sorts of things. So then we were asked to team up with them in this. So we did what we could as far as, you know, decking out the Mr. school bus that I'm a little embarrassed, but yep, that's my paint job I did personally on there. Um, I'm going to get it done more professional when we can, but I didn't want it yellow driving through there either. So I grabbed, believe it or not, 10 cans of gray primer paint and took me a few days side by side and taped off the whole bus. And, and then we um, printed out the text and stuff on there ourselves. But 
So it's gonna it's a work in progress is what I'm getting at on the bus. But it is fun and we get to we're gonna have it at the same fest we keep talking about here in um, a couple months where we're gonna pile on lots of Sasquatches. So basically find anybody and everybody, and it's already been planned out now that has a Sasquatch or Bigfoot costume to put on and including mine and we're going to drive it to the fest and around there and basically the mystical wears bus is going to pull up and a big pile of sasquatches are going to come you know bouncing off of the thing so that's going to be a lot of fun too it should be a sight derek there's a question in chat is there a certain ratio of shungai powder to potting soil for planting veggies thanks oh yeah okay good question because i wouldn't even worry so much about a a set ratio, but I'm still glad the question was asked because really what I would do is just loosely if, okay, let's say you have a garden um, and you want to go out there. I don't think it's a plant. I would get a salt shaker or something similar. Um, so that way you get the visual of like, yep, that much coming out of a salt shaker. So we're not talking a huge amount and go shungai salt shake, not the salt, the shungai powder in that shaker and shake it around the base of your plant. So it's not a set, like, you know, I'd say under a teaspoon if we wanted to get some kind of measurement, a US teaspoon size, um, and less than that, really. You don't need a lot um, of the Shungai powder. So even if you get one of our, our baggies, you can put it in that salt shaker, and it can go really far, just kind of like you were salting your eggs, I like to describe it, because then you get, oh, that's not so much. It's not like I need a one-inch pile under this plant or that and the other. No, you can. It's not going to hurt anything. It's going to help it. But really, all you need is about what you would, you know, maybe heavily salt your eggs with, but with shungai powder. Again, I try to always give some kind of visual or easy way of people to, to, to understand the amount I'm talking about. Uh, some uh, powder. Yeah, you people. have, you have um, different types of powder. And I'm assuming that for like putting it out in the garden, you'd use the coarser of it. Yeah, I would probably do that. So we do have granular, it's called, or powder, fine powder, I think we term it. So think the granular is like really small, salt-sized particles, and then the powder is just that, like almost a flower. I mean, you can blow into it, and it's going to puff up everywhere. So either one will work, so make sure your container has enough. But yeah, I like the granules myself because they kind of because they're heavier they're going to get down in that soil more rather than kind of blow around not that having it blow around in the garden is a bad thing but i want to make sure it gets around in this case you're talking about for planting veggies or something um and another way you can yeah, really, the, the other but, reason to use the granular is it'll last longer because oh, yeah. you know you got a bigger bigger piece of it and yes yeah, shungite will wear down from just you know rain and I mean, if you play with it, you'll see the, the top layer becomes dusty. And, you know, so, yeah, it wears down. As a matter of fact, and when Derek first got into the bees, he had the uh, nuggets on on the front of the where the door is. And those guys just glued it, glued it down. And so you had three nuggets sitting there. And by the end of the 11 weeks, they had been gone, gone from a roundish kind of thing into, you know, sculptured mountains. So just rubbing up against it. So that that's, uh, you know, the granular would be the one I would recommend. The powders, the stuff that you'd want to use in something that, like paint and um, any of your, well, I don't know. Where Bath would you use products, them? things like that. So if you, you make your own soaps or lotions or whatever the heck somebody maybe does, that's what the fine powder is good for as 
one of your ingredients in that natural product. I'm an add-on, Nancy, for that same veggies one. Um, what I would do is maybe, you know, go to your, your doesn't matter what vegetable plant, maybe put your finger in the soil. So now you've made a little tiny hole. You can kind of shake it in there and push it in too. And, or again, you can shove a nugget in there uh, and that you're affecting it. Cause it's not like, even if you use a nugget, it's not like the plant is going to grab that nugget and pull it up into the stock. What it does is and it has a huge effect on lots of levels. It keeps that orgone energy moving around the plant. So then it has less resistance and grows more, which is those two flower pots. We quickly talked about at the beginning of this podcast they're on my front porch. I added shungite water to that had some small particles in it as well because I cleaned the nuggets in the water. That had an effect. Um, so really, whatever you have in the form of shungite, fine granular or nuggets, uh, it would be beneficial. And then I would the S4 powder, which is the powder blended with silver particles. I would use that for your stuff for personal healing. So any anything you're doing with that. So if you're making resin products like we do and others as well. Put the Shungite S4 powder in there, or again, your bath products, if that's what you're doing um, for that silver enhancement of it. But either way, it will work. We got a few minutes here, looks like. Was there anything we missed, Jalissa, and or Mark, did you have something that you wanted to add in? Maybe an additional question to that is, if we were to use the S4 powder on plants, what could we expect? Oh, yeah, and it works fantastic, too. So it works great. Um, well, it'll if you use the S4 powder, it'll, it, it, it does have enough silver does, has an effect on some bacteria and viruses. Not that that's usually what we're thinking about when we're talking plants and things, um, but it absolutely enhances. Okay, when I perceive the S4 powder, which is, the again, the shungite powder with silver, the orgone energy, the energies we're all trying to affect, move quicker. So it responds faster. And I, again, I don't know how to how to really describe that or verbalize it, um, but that's why I recommend having the S4 powder in, again, products around you or the cosmic shungite nuggets. And that's the nuggets we tumble in silver. So the silver particles do get on that and embed in it. And that's why we recommend those for personal use. Um, I, I like to term it as like a biocompatible frequency, adding that, that instrument of silver in the band of shungite or the tune isn't an enhancing one. Again, I have to I have to come up with creative ways of describing this. So if we talk Shungite moving energies, let's call it a, a, a collection of instruments or a band on stage doing things. Well, with the addition of silver, well, that's like the piano. It has a huge effect. It, it, it affects you biocompatibly as well, not just energetically if, if we can separate and you can't really do that. That's why it's so difficult to talk about. Yeah, people get the um, Shungite uh, circles, rubber circles, and, and pad for their workouts, like post-workout recovery. And for video gamers, uh, get the S4 powder for people's shoes and footwear, also good for people going outdoors. And then the rubber pad for uh, video gamers who, see, who sit down. So just addition to those. And then Nancy, what's up for Radio 5G? Um, we're going to do uh, an hour with Tucker Carlson's first interview since he uh, quit Fox or got fired from Fox with um, Russell Brand. And it's it's funny and it's very informative. And then we're going to talk about background people or also called uh, non-playing characters in video games. So that's kind of fun. Uh, thank you guys for being here. You want to say good night or good day? Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you being here. See you next week. Thanks, everybody.
And we'll see you tonight with uh, Cosmic Reality. Everybody, please be safe. <laughs> nope. I don't know what's happened here, but let me get rid of this. Is that a magic? Imagine that. No, what, what's happened is something's <laughs> happened with the play thing, and it's losing the... Anyway, good night, everybody. Be safe. Are we still broadcasting? Still broadcasting? No, we're we're off now. That I, I don't know what's happened with the player. I just that was good it, though. It was perfect. <laughs> I think it was like meant to be thing. So it was all good, especially that song. Oh, I, you're right. I did. I wasn't even focused on it. I was focused on the fact that it happened. You know. <laughs> no, uh, absolutely perfect and synchronistic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Strange. 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 <laughs>